I've been waiting for you to call me. There's so much I have to tell you. And you know how I get when I don't hear from you. So hurry up and pick up the phone and call me. I can't Jim Branscombe, and joining me as always is... Yo, it's Nick Vance, Paranoid Futures on all social media. And you can find Cinematic Void on the World Wide Web at cinematicvoid.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all major podcast platforms. If you want to support The Void, you can consider joining our Patreon. Not only do you get cool perks, but guess what else, Jim? What's that? You make this podcast possible. That's goddamn right. Uh, give us uh, Give us the five stars... Give us a give us a nice review on Apple or wherever the hell you listen to shit. Spot um, up. It, it it helps. So uh, do that shit. Um. Anyway, so I guess we're getting more frequent with doing these podcasts again. Kind of. We we do so many podcasts that we don't even have time to watch movies. So we're just gonna talk about the movies rather than talk about a single movie. Yeah, I, it's it's just easier. It's like it's like who has time to watch a fucking movie? I mean, obviously I do, but like. It's easier to do a letterbox review than like actually talk about a fucking movie on this podcast. Like, you know how much fucking work it does or it takes to do these? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why we yeah. don't fucking do it. <laughs> yes, I do. All right. So I wait a minute, aren't you supposed to ask what we're talking about today? I'm asking, I'm telling. Yeah. We're talking shit. Yeah, that's all we're doing is we're really just gonna talk shit. But besides talking shit about some I guess things that are in the ether, the social media ether, which might not reflect the real world. Like, I I don't think Twitter is the real world. Not close, but besides some things we're going to talk about that are film-related without actually talking about any films, I guess, well, that's not true because we are going to talk about some films later in the podcast. I'm going to be talking about the March lineup at the Lost Feelers 3. I'm going to be doing March Movie Madness. And hey, guess what? Cinemac Void is turning seven. Actually, just turned seven like a couple days ago. On February 12th, 2016 was the very first Cinemac Void show. Just turned seven. 49 in dog years. Yeah, I guess so. Again, midlife crisis. (laughs) Everything comes back to the midlife crisis and being a grumpy old bastard. But because Cinemac Void is turning seven, doing a special seven-film marathon at the Aero Theater coming up in March... We'll talk about that a little bit later, but hey, we promised to talk some shit. Let's talk some fucking shit. Um, a couple things I've noticed in, this is kind of a continuation of what we talked about the last time on the podcast, 
which was what the hell did we talk about? It was like oh, it was about people talking during movies or like audience engagement and how people like engage with art. And one of the keys to engaging with art is curation. And there's plenty of different places that curate and ways of curation. And the reason I was inspired to kind of retread on this topic or like expand on at least this part of it, because I think Joe Bob Briggs just had his um, Valentine's Day special on Shudder. And they showed Fam the Mall, Eric's Revenge, and Necromantic. Oh. And it's interesting valentine's day themed double feature i think but i saw like this weird negative reaction to necromantic and i it's like again i didn't watch it so i'm not i'm not talking shit on anyone for this but it's just like people just didn't want to engage with it because it wasn't something they were used to or whatever and it's just like it kind of made me you know ask some internal questions as a film programmer or like someone who watches movies or like that kind of stuff it's like you know, and this has to go deal with like streaming in general. And this is also going to come back to the series that as we're recording this, we're still in the middle of, which is killer obsession, which we talked about in the lineup on the last episode. But like, it's just like when you curate something, what is the intent behind the curation? Mm-hmm. And this has to do with like movies, books, music, any kind of art. Like, curation is you're putting it together for a reason. And I guess my question is, like, why do people put things together? And what do you want to get out of the audience? Why does anyone do anything? Yeah, that's basically the the big broad strokes here. So, and I guess my it was because of the reaction to Necromantic, which I think is, like... It's surprising to me. Um, something like that, and it, maybe I'm just old, but... Uh, I don't know. I, I just think that something like Necromantic has such a reputation and maybe it doesn't with a, a newer audience. Um, but it just, I, I, you know, I just think it's notorious and, and I would think that a lot of people still haven't seen it and they, they would jump at the chance to see it. And even now it's a, but it's a, also, it's admittedly, it's a strange one mm-hmm. that I saw it at, at an early age, really only because of the subject matter. And I didn't know what the fuck I was getting into. It's a film. Unlike, any other film I had ever seen at the time, for sure. You know, I mean, it's a, it's way artier than just like it, that just being a necromantic, you know, just being a, a film about necrophilia. It's way more, more arty than that. You know, um, I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that that's something that people don't really like, doesn't hit with some people, you know? Well, I, I think it's like, it's also, let's just look at Joe Bob Briggs and like what yeah. he does. And in like, and th- again, this is not a knock against them because like, They've done it before on this program because we had Darcy on, like, I guess last year, mm-hmm. something like that. And, you know, she's one of two people that picked the movies. And they talk about the balance between doing, like, crowd pleasing, like, 80s horror hits and, like, more artsy mm-hmm. horror stuff because they've shown Audition, which didn't go over well. They've shown Cannibal Holocaust, which, like, definitely probably had mixed reviews. Yeah. And it's just. I guess the way they're, if you're curating is a Joe Bob Briggs, like, I feel like the expectation for most people is, like, even though they've already done this multiple times where they've just thrown wild card, like, I don't even say hard art horror or anything like that, but, like, something that's a little more advanced than yeah. maybe the demographic is looking for, it gets, like, these weird negative reactions. And, like, 
you know, I I like Necromantic. I actually like Necromantic two a lot more. Uh, same, and uh, Necromantic is just the thing you got to get past to get to part two for me. Oh yeah, you know, you need to see. I mean, even though they have a whole recap of Necromantic one at the beginning, of Necromantic two. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a Star Wars thing. It's like <laughs> if you missed the first one, here's yeah. what you missed, which is a well, I don't want to spoil. Uh, can we spoil Necromantic? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think I think it's been out for a little while. At this yeah, point. it's been. Yeah, I mean, it came out late eighties. <laughs> it's like a dude being really just sad fuck boy and like stabbing himself in the gut while jerking off and blood shooting out of his dick. It's truly a great scene. It it's a fucking insane scene, especially the cross cutting when they're like the skin rabbit stuff, where mm-hmm. like the skin's going back on the rabbits and that kind of thing. Like, it's royally fucked. Yeah, and I know when we saw it back in like the mid mid 90s the late Mm -hmm. 90s it was just like holy shit because like the thing was it wasn't easy to see yeah and now in the dawn of the streaming age everything's easy to see because it's like especially the horror stuff because you have great platforms like shutter or tubi or fucking arrow video player which i gotta give a plug because hey i got a curated list on there Mm -hmm. so shout out to arrow video player who did a who let me do a january jalo list well i i picked a January Giallo theme list because I thought it was coming out in January. You're like, oh, it's coming out in February. So I might have done something different, but... Gotcha. But anyway, it's a good list. Lots of hits in there. But there's lots of really great genre-curated stuff. And I feel like everyone, like most people that have those, are only looking for like one certain thing, which is like the nostalgia of the 80s era. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people are kind of less adventurous or like it again i guess it comes down to curation i and again this is not a knock on anyone but like i feel like how necromantic was set up it was just like i think they warned people of the violence with the rabbit stuff like the rabbit skinning and things and that probably a fair trigger warning in this day and age i think they did the same for cannibal holocaust and whatever and they they donated some turtle like you know habitat protection kind of things and stuff like that but, like, it seems like the really taboo movies that were really fucking hard to see, and we had to go out our way, so we were, like, already fucking in. Yeah. Now that they're being presented in, like, you know, the easiest access way possible, people are just like, whatever. Makes sense. It it's, does. No, I, I think a lot of the complaints that came from Necromantic was, like, people were fucking bored, which I think, like, you kind of got to set it up, it's a slow burn. Like... You know, when I do movies like that, I, you know, make sure to explain, like, hey, this is what you're getting into, but, like, mm-hmm. stick around for that. Stick with it, because then that's where the reward is. Totally. And it's just, like, you know, I this is going to be my complaint against streaming in general, but it's just, like, the way people engage in, like, group groups, you know, streaming. Because, like, when you're in a movie theater and you're watching a movie, you're not really talking to your friends. Mm-hmm. You're not really talking shit about the movie. Like you would at your house or whatever. So when you have online discourse, like, you know, there's times where, like, that shit has made movies big. Fucking Sharknado became a huge hit because, like, all these people fucking watched it live on the sci-fi channel back Mm -hmm. then. So it just, like, elevates stuff. But, like, the communal aspect of people watching and, like, throwing their two cents and jokes and stuff like that. I don't know. I think it works for some things, but then it's, like, it's kind of harmful for other things. And it's, like kind of goes back to people laughing during vertigo like you're presenting something that was like 
kind of like this monumental, like very important fucked up movie. And then you kind of throw it out there and people are like, whatever, this sucks. That's crazy. Yeah. And <laughs> that's fucking. That's crazy to think about a movie where a guy's shooting blood out of his fucking dick while stabbing himself while jerking off. Yeah. How could you not love that? I, people didn't. And so I guess what it comes back to curation and just like, how do you present something like that? Like, you know, I, I don't have the right or wrong answer, but it just, it's, it's. Well, I mean, I, I, I didn't see this particular episode of uh, Joe Bob, um, but I, w- I would assume that they give plenty of context. I think he, I, I don't think he does context. I or think or just, just, or at least kind of, didn't they warn people like, hey, this is, this is not fucking Friday the 13th, dude. Yeah, but like, I don't think anyone listens is the other thing. <laughs> that, that's the other thing. It's like people are just like, oh, this is going to be a fun. Isn't that why people watch Joe Bob? So they can hear him kind of give perspective like during the breaks and, and, the, yeah. and the, the intro, that sort of thing. Like, Yeah, but, but I feel like they want a certain thing from it. They just, I think they just want the personality. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder because of the personality and like, the man has done wonders for cult movies and cult cinema. I think some people just have this whole perspective that like the way it's curated, it's like they're expecting one thing and when they get something else, they get mad about it or they don't like it or they don't want to engage with it because it's not the thing. Right. Like also for instance, like on the criterion channel, there's plenty of films where it's either the director gives an, you can select it so that it's like the director will be given the intro before the film or not always the director. It can many people, you know, it can be film critic and actor. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was, I almost always watch them like, yeah, like I don't, I don't really want a spoiler for sure, but like, it's nice to hear a little, just a little something. It's, it's just, it's you doing the intro to a film at, at the show, you know, it's, yeah, it's fucking important, man. It just sets the tone. It sets the tone. And I I guess that's why I'm getting with curation. It's like it's one thing to pick a movie and like you're picking a movie because you're championing a movie. You're picking a movie because like, hey, I don't necessarily like this movie, but I think people should see it. Like mm-hmm. all the different reasons. But I just feel like there's... Do you ever show stuff that you just straight up don't like? Oh, I have. Hell yeah. And, <laughs> and there's lots of reasons for that. It's mm-hmm. like... But well, you, it's something that you don't like, but you still think it's important for other people to say. Yeah. It's yep. like, you know, it, it. I think Cannibal Hall, and I've said this before, I think Cannibal Holocaust is one of the most important, like, cult horror, like, exploitation movies ever made. Mm. I'm never going to watch it again because, like, where I'm at personally, like, I can't hang with the animal violence. However, I still can respect what the movie is and the power behind the movie. And, like, but that's not, that's not even a movie you hate. I think it's a fan, I'd say it's a fantastic five-star movie. Okay. Like, I, I stand by... I still haven't seen it. I've got it right here. You've never seen Campbell Hall? I've never seen Campbell Hall. The fuck? How? How? I don't know, dude. Someone just lent it to me. I'm going to watch it soon. All right. We'll talk about it after you watch it. Okay, great. (laughs) But what what the fuck, man? How? how? Don't know, dude. I mean, I guess it happens. No one. I mean, no one wants to watch it with me. You know, it's like, it's not like, oh, let's watch this again. You know, it's just like, here, you can borrow it, dude. It's like, <laughs> here, man, you want to have some brews and smoke a bowl and fucking watch Cannibal Holocaust? And I mean, like, I'm I'm assuming that's going to be what I'm saying, though, after I watch it. I'm going to be trying to get other people to watch. Hey, do you want to come over and fucking take some bong rips and watch Cannibal Holocaust? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might take the edge off. I don't know. It. 
I guess, like, it's also in the context and, like, what people are looking for and stuff like that. But, like, you know what I'm saying. It's, like, I don't like Friday the 13th. I've definitely shown Friday the 13th mm-hmm. movies. But there's a reason behind it because, like, you know, I think it fits with whatever I'm aesthetically doing. Or because I need to make some money on this screening. So I'm definitely going to put one of those movies in there because people like these fucking movies. And then I can slide in the shit I actually like. So it's a little tit for tat for there. But there's a lot of different ways to do it. But, you know, I we were talking before we did the podcast. I remember, like, this is years ago. Uh, like, high school. So it's probably 20-plus years ago. Easy, easy. Easy. Easy now. So, th- th- <laughs> so th- this is some fucking crazy, stupid double feature. So we had a mutual friend. Actually, we were in a band with him for a bit called this guy named Ozzy. Ben Osborne. We always called him Ozzy, or he called himself Ozzy. And like, <laughs> he gave himself his own nickname. Yeah, it, name. I don't understand that bullshit. Like, how certain people got the get, have their own fucking create their own nickname and like get it's by. Like, it's like when Mike Thompson tried to get people to call him Pinch. You can't make up your own nickname, bro. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can't just be Pinch now. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, Pinch did not stick. Yeah, dude, I got I got fucking stuck with Chamberlain. Chamberlain. Which, I mean, it's like, oh, Jimmy Chamber from the Smashing Pumpkins. Like, it didn't make any fucking... I still... It still pops into my head sometimes, and I just want to be like, yeah, well, Chamberlain. <laughs> People are like, what the fuck yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, so I didn't get to pick my nickname. I got saddled with that for fucking, like... Years. 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 And probably... You just have to be... You just... You just have... You're just Chamberlain now. I mean, there's <laughs> definitely people from back in the day to be like, yo, Chamberlain. It's like and still it's like, when they see yeah. you when you go back to visit. Yeah. Fuck, dude. Hell yeah. Because that, that's... <laughs> that's their fucking memory. So it's like, you don't get to pick your name. Where, 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 where were we going? Oh, yeah. We were talking about Ozzy. That, okay, that, okay. I was like, how did we get all fucking nicknames? <laughs> Fuck. Talk yeah. about fucking Mike Thompson trying to be Pinch. That's a fucking terrible nickname. What, what what was even the purpose of the word like being called pinch? Like you get pinched? Oh, because he oh when he wanted to be a cop. Okay, there it is. <laughs> well, but I think that he was you know the I think the pinch nickname is like he's the criminal though in the situation. I think this is post him like not getting into the academy, <laughs> and he's just like, well, I'm fucking pinched now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's like it's like the villain turn. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah like, exactly. That was his that was his heel turn, dude. Yeah, but like <laughs> I don't even think the Joker came up with his name as the Joker. They're like, hey, this guy looks like a fucking he Joker. Just keeps making. <laughs> I don't know. He's some kind of Joker or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. That guy's. He's got riddles. I guess he's the fucking riddler or whatever. Dude, who wrote that shit? Dude? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. That guy looks like What's a this? fucking penguin. It's <laughs> this guy's fucking name. Is that our? That's gotta be somebody's fucking bit already. Jesus uh, yeah, Christ! Yeah, we we probably stole someone's fucking terrible <laughs> comedy bit, and we're probably gonna get uh, some hate. What? Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> where the fuck? Okay, Ozzy. Ozzy. Who did he even pick his nickname after this whole long rant? I don't know. I mean, I guess if your last name is Osborne, you're Ozzy. Also, yeah, you know? I guess that's a default. So he. I went on a double date with his long, with him and his longtime girlfriend. Some I don't even know who this girl was. I guess like they just needed a body, so I was I was single and available. <laughs> like I I think I think Ozzy like him and his girlfriend like would always go on double dates as a cover so they could go do. St- I don't I don't know. It never made sense. I I went <laughs> on a, I went on a few different double dates with different girls with Ozzy and his girlfriend back in high school. 
At least three of them. Okay. Definitely, definitely didn't go anywhere in any of these. I don't think they were, I don't think it was meant because like, it wasn't even like an honest, like, hey, you guys will hit it off. It's like, no, we just need a fucking body to go. We need a body. So anyway, this is, this is, this is about curating for a crowd. So we went and saw um, Man on the Moon, the Andy Kaufman movie. Milos Foreman, written by Larry Karaszewski and Scott Alexander. Before, yes, he. It, it was a good movie, but like, I don't know. I don't know why we. That was the movie. Like Ozzy picked it, and then like, I was on this date with this girl, and we just didn't click. And I was like, oh, that's fine, whatever. And Ozzy was like, let's go back to your house because he wanted to go make out with his girlfriend. I guess he couldn't go back to his place or her place to make out, so they had to go to my fucking parents' house in the basement. He's like, hey man, can you put on Shogun Assassin? So. This is an important thing of curation. If you're if you're trying to have a makeup hookup like, night, wait, where is this? How is this related to what we're talking about? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just want to shoot. I just want to shoehorn this story in. Is what it really gets I, down to. Ozzy paid me fifty bucks to mention him in the podcast. Thanks. All right. <laughs> I need the money. Look, man, you slid me a that, slid me a Jackson. That fucking I don't even know who, what Bill Jackson's <laughs> on. <laughs> Slid me a, a check. <laughs> it's a hundred, right? No, it's twenty. Is it twenty? <laughs> like I'll say it wrong. It's, what is that? Like a two fifty? <laughs> None of this is in the podcast. No, it's all in the podcast. <laughs> Ain't no way I'm admitting to the to the fucking film going public that I don't know wh- which man is on the bill. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> which man is on the greenback? I have no clue. That dude. will explain some fucking cares. <laughs> Whoever cared. Well, you were doing fucking count money when you're an assistant manager. <laughs> I'd hope you, you know, know what you <laughs> I know I know what number it says on it, yo. I don't fucking know what man is on it. <laughs> That's a fair point. No one liked Andrew Jackson anyway. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Whose man's is this? So what for this whole story that has no purpose to what we're talking about at this point? I guess I was trying to make a correlation through that fucking. Ozzy should have warned the girl about what film we're going to watch first. They yeah, were gonna, I they, was going to watch first. I, I actually advised, like, are you sure you want to pull on Shogun Assassin? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not even like the most vile movie I owned or anything, yeah. but it's like, it's probably boring to that girl. Well, it wasn't boring. She didn't like violence. Like, she left and went into Ozzy's car and smoked weed because she was this so... Is your, this is your date. Yeah, this is my date. Mm-hmm. Because she was so traumatized. And then, I guess it ruled out Ben and his girlfriend's make-out session because his girlfriend got mad at him. It's like, why'd you have Why'd you put on that movie? I mean, she's right, but she should expect that from Ozzy. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, long story short is, like, you gotta think about how you curate stuff. Yeah. Maybe not put on Shogun Assassin. Even at home. Think even about at, even to your friends. Just yeah. be normal. Well, yeah. That, that's the thing. It's like... You know, what, when I have like a group of people over, I don't put on like a Serbian film. <laughs> you know? It's like, just know your audience or whatever. It's like, bro. <laughs> bro. Let me show you some sick shit. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if you want people to leave your house... Maybe you put on a Serbian film, like when you want to like clear motherfuckers out at the end of the night. It's like just not leaving. It's like, hey, I'm gonna throw this on. You're welcome to hang out. 
I mean that 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 that's curation too. When you want to clear out your <laughs> right. fucking house, yeah. you, you just put everything the... has a purpose. Exactly. So anything. If you want the girl to go cry and smoke weed in the car, throw on Shogun Assassin. <laughs> just, there's a formula to these things. But yeah, so that, that's the formula. It's like you got to think of what you curate. You got to think about what you're showing, and you got to be prepared to like give context. And sometimes you misfire. Like I've definitely misfired on context. You know. Or, like, I think I'm giving context and it doesn't quite click. Um, which kind of brings me to Tightrope, which I just screened. Like, I got over 100 people for it, which was higher expectations than I had for a Clint Eastwood joint, you know? Nice. And I think... I really like Tightrope. I think it's just sleazy. I think it's a different side of Clint. The audience watched it and, like, I think they were just stunned by it. <laughs> Because, like, the whole fucking thing, you know, promoting it was, like, the fucking oiled-up shot of Clint Eastwood's ass. When it hit the screen, it starts, like, it's a camera move. It's just, like, pan. it's, like, just panning. Or, no, it might be my whatever camera move. We'll just say panning. It's panning along. You see this fucking ass in close-up, like, filling the whole frame. And it's, like, oh, is that the woman's ass or something? And then you see it's, it's Clint. Hell it's yeah. a continuous shot. And I think people were just, like, oh, my God. It's great ass. It's great ass. I mean, it the movie. I think the, I think because it's Clint Eastwood and people have a certain expectation. It's either like spaghetti western, man with no name, Clint Eastwood, or Dirty Harry. And because like it's a weird, it's a weird out of step performance for him because like he's kind of vulnerable in it and all that. And like, I thought it sold it pretty well. Audience kind of didn't react or anything to it, but it also might be because it's just like. How do you prepare someone for like Clint Eastwood doing basically his version of cruising? Mm-hmm. You really can't because it's something you have to see. Yeah. Did you frame it as such? I mean, no. is that, is there, or is that kind of saying too much? I I did mention it was like you know it's a sleazy movie. I did say it's like Clint making basically American Giallo, mm-hmm. and I was like he probably not intentionally. It wasn't like he's like sat down and watched like Dario Argento or Sergio Martino. It was like yep. I mean, he's not the credited director, but he sure shit directed the movie. Okay. And I'm gonna—I was gonna mention this t- during rewatch and listen, but I'll mention it now because, like, after I watched Tightrope, I went and watched um, *Sudden Impact*, which is a Dirty Harry movie. It was the movie he made the year before *Tightrope*. And like, if you want evidence that he directed both of these movies, both of those movies start exactly the same with fucking helicopter shots. Okay. Like, starts like these wide helicopter shots that zooms into the town. Both movies has Clint Eastwood getting dogs. Getting dogs? Yeah, like he gets a pet just, dog. Just retrieving dogs? Yeah, because he picks up stray dogs in, like, tightrope, and then, like, he gets a dog in fucking sudden impact. Yeah. So it's, it. I don't know what he was on. He's like, well, do a movie? It just shows you have compassion. You just go and pick up stray dogs or whatever. Exactly. That's what people with compassion do. Yeah, just pick up stray dogs. and Well, the one stray dog he picked up in tightrope was very important because it saved his ass. It's okay. oiled up ass. But anyway, so curation and all that. And for we've done programming episodes. And what I'm basically getting at is like whether you're doing an online screening, you're doing like a screening at your house, or you're presenting a movie in a movie theater, you do have to put some thought into what you're showing and what's behind it. Because I know there's a lot of people that just like do shotgun programming where they just load up, fire it against the wall. I'm like, this is what we're fucking showing. 
And like sometimes that works, but then sometimes it's just like a mix match of like stuff. And like you get weird double features or like things that just don't gel. And it's like, what is your purpose other than like, do you just want to show this movie? And sometimes that's fine too. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like in this day and age, it's like, it's kind of important to like give context to what you're curating. Did you see that um, Brain Dead is that Narrowhead is playing at Brain Dead and they're screening Grandma's Boy in in conjunction with the sh- the show? What? <laughs> <laughs> Why? I mean, I don't know, but it's like the coolest the coolest show and screening this year, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I mean, I wish I knew about it. It's well, yeah, actually, the funny funny not funny thing it is is Monday. It's a twentieth. Yeah, it's night game. Yeah. And you're pretty damn excited about Night Game, so... I'm pretty excited Night Game. That's selling well, too. So yeah, it's great. Like, it's, I mean, it's like I feel like I'm not on a bubble, but I really don't know sometimes what other theaters are doing. But, yeah, I mean, but they're right. Like, I, I'm sure you, like, follow them on social media and whatnot. Like, but, no. <laughs> like, no, you, no, you actually... Say, I mean, no. I guess, like, you know, I'll cut this out. You don't follow Brain Dead? <laughs> no, I do, actually. I follow, like, I actually follow everyone, and mm-hmm. it's not because, like, you know, it's... Just, I'm curious what other people are doing. Yeah, because yeah, like, it well, if I see someone, know, of course. if I see someone doing something cool, like that's really even if I can't go to it, like yeah. I get excited. Like I get excited when New Beverly drops their fucking teaser trailer because like I'm just excited to see what they're doing because like I'm friends with people that work there. I'm friends totally. with Phil. I'm excited to see like what they got lined up. I'm excited to see anyone's new lineup. I mean, yeah. In my defense, I we, sometimes we actually do like film. Yeah, we. <laughs> No, actually, I don't. <laughs> it's a no. love-hate relationship. So, you know, yeah. sometimes we even go see stuff at other places. Yeah. But, like, I also feel like the way social media is, especially now, it's like, I see just mostly fucking bullshit and people mm-hmm. complaining. And instead of seeing what peop- what cool shit people are actually showing or doing. Yeah. Which brings me to this next thing. The, now, the internet is just generally cynical. You know what I mean? If people don't... It's not cool to say you like things. No, not at all. And it's it's kind of weird because, like, I'd rather... You know, I've tried my best to curate the things I see. Again, using the word curate. It's like, I want to, like, the things I want to curate that I want to see is, like, people, like, what's everyone doing? Because, like, I want to see what people are doing in town, what cool shit they're showing. I want to see what my friends who are programmers across the country are showing. I just want to, like, see people, like, putting in work and, like, doing positive shit. Even if they're showing grimy movies or, like, weird moves or they're showing like a series that I don't particularly like it's a genre I don't care about I don't care I just want to see like you know don't like musicals but I really like how they put this together because like you know I like inside baseball too Mm -hmm. which is not a reference to night game but like but what I see instead like I didn't know about Narrowhead and fucking grandma's boy Mm -hmm. I I'm trying to figure out what the correlation. Well, is. I, I think that they. I mean, they. They were, probably picked. they curated it. So like the band picked the, the movie. band picked Grandma's Boy, yeah. Or maybe it's just like that's a movie they liked. You're like, oh, we get to pick a movie, fucking Grandma's Boy. I, I think that that's what it is. Yeah, I think that's totally just it. There's, I, I, there's like nothing really beyond that. Yeah, you know, it's just like what what movie you know what movie defines you as a band. What movie do you guys watch over and over every night on tour? And it's probably like, yeah, why wouldn't it be Grandma's Boy? That's a valid point. And, like, that's a different <laughs> style of curation because, like, when I think of curation, you know, I, there's a lot of thought in what I'm doing. And sometimes when you ask someone, like, hey, just pick a movie you want to yeah. show with your – if you're a band or whatever, it's, like, mm-hmm. has probably not even a reflection of, like, what the band is. Yeah. Like, 
I'm sure there's bands that like really, really think about it. Like we're going to show this fucking David Lynch movie. Yeah. No, as a band, I would hope that you're either showing grand, if you're, you know, you're showing grandma's boy, you're showing Freddie got fingered. This is your options. (laughs) The only two (laughs) options, but, but getting back to like, I never saw this from brain dead and I do follow them is because the algorithm is fucked. Mm -hmm. So instead what I see is bullshit that has happened. I mean, this is, it's been going on for a few years, but it seems to be like peaking again and it peaks every few months, but it seems like it's more and more, which is sex in films and television. Mm -hmm. I guess we're in this age now where young kids or young adults, I don't want to say they're kids. There's a lot of them that are very Puritan Mm -hmm. and they don't like sex. They don't do drugs. They don't drink. They're just straight edge. They don't work. They don't work. <laughs> they don't have jobs. Well, I guess so if you're watching everything and have a time to comment on I don't know. But it it's weird to me because like there there's definitely people I know some people were being sarcastic, but there's also people that like really, really wanted to go back to like the Hays Code day. And yeah. for those of you who don't know your film history, there's a period of time where Hollywood was implemented with the Hayes Code, which was a self-form of censorship. Where, like, you couldn't... There couldn't be an on-screen kiss longer than, like, 10 seconds. Or, like, married couples had to sleep in separate beds. Or, like, just weird things were, like... Here's here's my take on that, though, okay. dude. Is that I think... I think that if you would argue that sex doesn't need to be in a film... You don't know what the Hayes Code is. Oh, definitely. And what I'm saying is, these aren't film buffs complaining about this. No, these are normie. I don't know. I mean, but again, uh, maybe not. Maybe maybe the younger generation are cinephiles that are adverse to, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a it's a weird thing because on one hand you have a young audience that like shits on anything that's old. But then, on the other hand, you have the, I don't even know if it's the same young audience. It might be a completely different young audience that's like, wants to go back to that fucking era. They want to go back to like 1940s fucking morales of like, you know, everyone had a happy ending. If you did something bad, you died, you know? There's no moral gray area or whatever. And people certainly weren't fucking I mean, there there's a lot of filmmakers that cheated around the Hayes Code and, like, that kind of stuff. But, like, you know, when that got removed and, like, you could say fucking a movie, in, at least in America, or you could show, like, nudity or, you know, graphic violence was becoming more violent, like, people went off. People went, the 70s, people just went nuts. Mm-hmm. So when, when was the Hayes Code dropped? It was, like, late 60s. Really? Like, when you... Really? That late? Yeah. It's like when you start getting like Easy Rider and like mm-hmm. um, Midnight Cowboy and things oh, like okay. that. They they introduced a rating system, so you got your R, your X, and gotcha. GP, which became PG and G, that kind of stuff. But like, there was definitely people. But I guess the thing that's most insane to me is like I've seen this multiple times now, and like I can't believe a fucking human being would actually fucking type this. I didn't consent to watching the sex scene. I feel like I've, you know, been assaulted by it. 
you know, sometimes it bothers me that I don't know where film Twitter is, where it exists. But uh, yeah, I'm glad I don't know where film Twitter is. I don't even want to know where it is. <laughs> it's because like... No, I'm just kidding. I did see that tweet and it fucking sucks. It It's insane. I mean, here's... Okay. This is going to be... I'm going to be nice and cordial and, you know... If it's not for you, if you don't like sex in movies, if you don't like, you know, that kind of stuff or anything. Well, I mean, it's just anything. It If you only want your moral, if you only watch movies to have your mor- morality, that's go, fine. Why don't you just go sit and stare at a mirror, buddy? I'm going to be nice. This is going to be the part where I'm nice here. You know, if, if there's some part of your morality that you don't want to see, like, Sex and movies, nudity, swearing, violence, whatever it is, that's fine. You can choose not to watch those things. You know, I you can think go see Left Behind. What is Left Behind? The Kirk Cameron produced like Christian. Oh, series. those things. I, I don't even know if they actually watched those. I think there's like a new one that was just in theaters. Well, yeah, I guess there there is that more. I mean, if Passion of the Christ can make billions of dollars, I'm sure Kirk Cameron can get like a little. Passion piece. of Christ has graphic violence. <laughs> That's that. We'll, we'll we'll get in that in a second here, but like, it's just like if you don't like certain things in art, you don't have to engage with the art. You can select the art. You can curate for yourself what you watch. However, if you demand other people only watch the things that you're happy with, fuck you. Straight up, fuck you, because you don't get to dictate. I, I didn't consent to your fucking dog shit ass morality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you. It's a you problem. If you don't want to see people having sex in a movie, that's fine. But if you think I shouldn't be able to see sex in a movie, fuck you. That's your problem. I'm an adult. I can watch what I want. You know. But it's just like people want to like. It's just the discourse on it is like insane to me. It's like, no, but like those tweets that we're talking about, and and I think that that the majority of this discourse is is happening online. Like, do people really talk about this? I mean, I guess we're talking about this in person, but like, but are people really talking about this in person? Going like, I hate sex in film. I mean, I have a hard time believing that this really exists. That someone just wants to eradicate sex scenes and films entirely like i just have a hard time believing that this person exists is this just an online troll dude is it online or is it just like or is it and also pe- just people just that are terminally online also just have a fucking brain rot and that that's I, part of this i think that's more of what it is i because like it's just you know we can talk about like there's awkward times where sex scenes come up. I think it's a rite of passage for any like kid growing up is when you watch an uncomfortable sex scene. With right, your parents. Please tweet at us and tell us what was the uncomfortable fil- like the film you saw, the first film you saw with an uncomfortable sex scene when you that you saw with your parents. Oh, I got plenty. Let us know. I got plenty. Yeah. Um, I made my dad take me to go see Bram Stoker's Dracula, and cool. when the three vampire vixen ladies pop out of the bed with their breast out and they're like fondling on Keanu Reeves that was a little awkward Mm -hmm. I remember seeing Rising Sun the non-Jurassic Park adaptation of a Michael Crichton novel with um, Wesley Snipes and Sean Connery there's a scene where like I guess some criminal is like eating sushi off a naked woman he's like pouring like wine on their like nipples and like sucking it off and I'm watching this with my dad in theater I'm like oh my god I'm like so fucking embarrassed I mean 
but it is a rite of passage. It's like, yeah. I mean, I guess, it, you know, but I think the way sex is in a lot of minds, especially in America, is that America's just always had a problem with fucking or like talking about it. Like, I don't know about you, when I was growing up, like, sex ed wasn't really helpful. No. I had all kind of crazy ideas when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, I did too, because, like, no one actually fucking explained it. It's like, oh, here's a dick, here's a vagina. And that's it. It's like, well, yeah. what, what do you do? We're not here to tell you that. I mean, you'll fucking figure it out. Well, you had to. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't know. Trial and error. Trial. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... I just feel like because like I'm a this is a paraphrase and I don't know if it's exact Roger Ebert quote it might not be a Roger Ebert quote but like because like in Europe there's lots of like sex and nudity in films and it's just normal it's just a thing but like over here it's like really really taboo and like what Ebert said was like you know you can show a naked woman in a movie as long as you threw blood on her because violence was so much more acceptable mm-hmm. unless it was in a horror movie and it was an unrealistic like violent death and that was a problem but you can have like and as i'm saying this because now i feel like i'm sounding like the anti-violence in movies prude which there's enough of those assholes too i'm fine you know i can def- i can tell the difference between like someone firing a million bullets in a john woo movie and like fucking billions of squibs going off on like bodies like that's just a movie i don't want to see anyone get shot in real life you know, because that's a different kind of thing. I watch both. <laughs> but, uh, but you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, it seems like violence is so much more acceptable than like sex. And like, I think this is a problem in just America in general, because like, if you look at like all the laws that have passed and recently, you're like, think of how many fucking school shootings we've had since Columbine mm-hmm. or just how many fucking like active shooters or like that kind of shit. And really nothing's kind of changed but think about how many times people have gone after like things that are related to sex in this country like trying to get rid of abortion laws or birth control or like you know trans people having i guess i forget i forgot that religious that like over overly religious people exist so yeah you know some of that is definitely where this this mentality comes from and this you gotta think going back to the Hayes code you know who fucking like oversaw the Hayes code the Catholic Church. Reagan. Well, Reagan years later. <laughs> the Catholic Church. Yeah. The Catholic Church are to blame for a lot of yeah. a lot of the bullshit in the world for sure. I mean They ruin movies too. They do. Except for well, yeah, they just I mean, I like Last Pit. I think there's good Catholic art. Like Martin Scorsese's made great movies. Okay. But like I, I think as a religion, there's no real bad religions. It's just well, there's a good bad religion or pretty good band what's your favorite bad religion record shit that's a good question maybe suffer or no control i think i always go no control but i love that against the grain generator that whole era you know yeah i there's like a block of like four of them like against the grain generator no control suffer like that old block is like that's just banger central yep but like you know it's again i don't really care what anyone's religion is Mm -hmm. however going back to like the People like saying like movies need to be this certain way. If you're telling me I have to live by your moral code or whatever religion you practice, fuck you. Right. Like you could you could do whatever you want, but don't tell me what to do. Exactly. As long as long as I'm not breaking the law or doing something that's like, you know, 
repulsive or like really reprehensible that's actually harming other people, it doesn't matter what I watch. It doesn't matter what music I listen to or what fucking, you know, books I read or like what TV show I watch or like what fucking video game I played if I had played video games. Like it doesn't fucking matter. But like when you get to the point where like you're trying to tell people how to engage with art or like how art should be engaged with or what art should be, you're just a fucking asshole. And I, I think you're right. It's just like, it's a lot of terminally online people because I think there's just a whole generation like they were born on the internet. Mm-hmm. They basically popped out of the womb, fucking like plugged into the modem and just like started surfing the web. And, you know, things without context or whatever. And again, it's also how things are curated. Like, you know, some people have to take responsibility for what you consume as art because like, you know, movies, there's fucking ratings. There's also Wikipedia. There's Google. You can learn anything about a movie. So if you're like, I'm going to Google this movie. Oh, there's lots of sex and drug use. Maybe this is not for me. Maybe I'll watch fucking Rin Tin Tin or whatever shit. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know where I'm, why I'm pulling Rin Tin Tin out of my ass for this. For like fucking Care Bears or fucking, I don't, I don't know. What, what's a fucking G-rated peep movie? Like fucking Pokemon. Like, fucking playing Pokemon. Like, if that's what your fucking happiness is, is, like, the exploitation of fucking creatures that you put in a little canister, yeah. go for it. I mean, I mean, it's not real. You know, it, it. I guess with all this discourse, it's like, you know, is art even safe? Is, like, going to the movies safe? It's like, because I'll say this. like, I hope, I hope not. No, it shouldn't be safe. Like, you should be pushed by art in a lot of different ways. And I'll say this now, like, everyone's talking about, like, sex in movies. This is probably the most sexless era of fucking cinema mm-hmm. going. Yeah. Like, mainstream-wise, it's like, yeah, I think 90s, there's erotic thrillers. These superheroes be fucking. These ser- I don't know they're not. I have no clue. I, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I'm not watching them. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming PG-13, you're not getting fucking, like, Batman deep dicking someone or whatever. The penguin fucking railing the, the Riddler. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd probably make for a more interesting movie. I guess with this discussion, it's just like, part of me is like, get off my fucking lawn. Take your fucking bullshit. I mean, yeah, maybe we are just being fucking old men. But at the same time... Maybe Maybe the kids know better, and we should probably take all these sex scenes out. No, fuck them kids. Yeah. And it's also, the other thing is like, I also think like a lot of terminally online people have no life experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, everything they do and learn is based on a fucking YouTube video or a fucking something they've seen online. It's no one lives life. Like when we were growing up, didn't really have, we didn't have the internet until like maybe like high school back in my day, back in your day, back in our day, like what? 98, 99 when that shit was starting to pop <laughs> when the internet was popping off. Yeah. When back had, in the AOL chat room. Yeah. When you had to like fucking get like the, the CD-ROM that had the 50 hours of internet on it or whatever it was, or AOL or whatever fucking shit, which always reminds me when I, like, work with, like, certain, like, you know, try to book guests or, like, certain, like, distribution distributors that occasionally still run into people who have AOL emails. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they're still functioning, but whatever. It has nothing to do with anything (laughs) (laughs) other than the dawn of the internet. But I just, I feel like people... God damn, just go outside. Go to a fucking park. 
go talk to a human being that isn't on a fucking, you know, you're not typing. You're actually talking. You know, engage with real life. I guess guess the, the big picture is, as we're talking about curation and living, you know, people choosing to be no sex, sexless. I don't know. I thought that Iron Lung record in that song when I kept on this discourse, and I'm just going to drop it in right here. So that's iron long, but I, and I don't know. It's just like, I feel like it's, it's self-oppression really. It's like, you know, it's fine if you don't want to watch this stuff, but also again, don't expect everyone else to live up to your morality. Don't be Tipper Gore. Don't be the PMRC. Don't be the religious right. Like, don't try to like, that's the weird thing. Cause like a lot of this like stuff is like left leaning or allegedly left leaning. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, don't even want to get into that, you know. It's just like, but it's, uh, I don't know. On one hand, you know, we're told that like nine year olds are like watching porn all day on their phone or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, just like that. I mean, you just have like such a uh, easy access, yeah. With 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 our devices that just at any age you can see any, you can see beheadings, you can see whatever the fuck you want at any age on the internet. You know what yeah. I mean? But then at the same time, you know kids just a couple years older than that that uh, supposedly have grown up watching porn on their phone right mm-hmm. but they don't want to see a simple sex scene in a film i don't know it's just it's, it's just weird I, don't, I just don't understand where anyone is coming from anymore i don't understand i i think also is because it's not private yeah because like if you're watching a movie on your phone it's different than watching it on a tv in front of other people mm-hmm. and maybe like i don't know maybe it's because people are just like not comfortable with themselves yeah I think, I mean, I mean, again, I don't want to watch a sex scene with my mom. I mean, you know, no one really does. But yeah. like, again, I think it's just an awkward rite of passage that every kid should have to go through. Like when you accidentally pick a movie and there's a really, I mean, shit, man. It's like you could be, I'm sure there's someone that's watched Basic Instinct with their parents. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's someone's watched Showgirls with their parents. Right. Cemetery Man. Cemetery, yeah. It's like. <laughs> Oh, let's watch this scary movie, and it's just like, oh no! <laughs> but it, it's weird. Like that's more offensive than like violence mm-hmm. and like graphic violence. And like, I'm fine with violence in movies, but like, you know, it's it's something to be said that people are more comfortable with like superhero movie where a fucking planet blows up where like millions of people die than people having sex. Yeah, like people doing something that's like an act of like pleasure procreation whatever you want to call it like people having a nice time with each other instead of like blowing up planets or shooting each other and stuff like why is why is the stigma that that's fucking horrible it i mean i think most people don't know what it means like they just don't engage with anything and it's like because everyone wants to be curated in this very very safe world yeah and i get that because the world fucking sucks like, you know, the outside world, I should say. There's a lot of bad shit out there, and people want to create a bubble. But because you create your own bubble, it doesn't mean everyone else should live in it. Yeah. 
and not and basically you shouldn't watch what you want to show in your bubble. People are allowed to watch what they want in their bubble. So I think that's that to me that's the most important takeaway. Stop telling other people what they should be able to watch or what should be made or anything else. If you can't take can't take the heat. I don't know if you, I don't know, man. Seriously, fucking go away. I mean, and then that's the other thing when we were talking about like Brain Dead or like New Beverly or whatever, it's like you know, I'm not the only game in town film program. In fact, the Cinematheque has like fucking tons of programming. I do one show a week. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of opportunities. If you don't like what I'm showing one month, someone might be showing something you like. Go see Tommy Boy tomorrow. Exactly. Like it's a masterpiece. Yeah, Tom. 35 millimeter. Yeah, Tom. You know, you know. I think it's Chris Farley's birthday or something. I think we're celebrating. It's that every Chris. Year now. It's Chris birthday. Farley's birthday, and I think his cousin, who's an actor, I think Tom Farley's doing an intro. Oh, great. Which. I think it's Tom Farley. I, don't, I hope I'm not making up a name because the movie's Tommy Boy, but I, it's it's, a re, it's one of Chris Farley's relatives is coming out. Very cool. But you know, yeah, go see that. You know, you might have a nostalgia thing. Like I looked last night, I showed Tightrope, and they played Mean Girls after it. Fuck yeah! That you should have choices. There's plenty of choices out there. That's why there's multiple streaming services. Yes, yeah, sometimes they all have the same shit, but like. There's curious stuff like if you're in the middle mood for like you want to watch art house shit, Criterion Channel. You want to watch 80s horror. You know you have Tubi, you have Shutter, you have you know Arrow Video Player. You want to like I don't know, watch documentaries. I'm sure there's a streaming service for that that I can't think of off the top of my head. Nat Geo. Nat Geo, yeah. You want to watch fucking Marvel and Star Wars movies? Disney Plus is Go right fuck there. Fuck yourself. Well, <laughs> that too, but like, but. <laughs> say what you're going to say and All say, right. please. <laughs> All right. This is going to be a fucking mess, isn't it? It always is. Don't All worry. Right. And if you really do love Star Wars, Marvel, and like that kind of shit, you have Disney Plus sitting right there. So you have your options to watch movies that are completely sexless to movies that have plenty of sex. And... It doesn't, you know, if one person makes one choice over the other, that's fine. Because, again, enjoy what you want in your personal bubble. Don't tell anyone else what they should be enjoying. Because that just makes you an asshole. So, we're going to take a break here. And then we're going to talk about some movies that, you know, I'm curating, I guess. And may or may not have sex in them. Actually, I don't think any of these movies have sex. So, oh, yeah. Too much sex in cinema. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the March lineup for Cinematic Void on, you guessed it, the Cinematic Void podcast. Oh, you startled me. I was just on the phone with a special friend. He calls often, but sometimes it gets, well, you know. I have lots of special friends. Do you need someone to get close to? It's really simple. Jot down my number. You better hurry before my line gets busy again. I'll be waiting for you. $4.99 per minute, adults only. Welcome back. We were talking about movie curation, a whole bunch of other stuff. And since this is Cinematic Void and we show movies, I guess we'll talk about some movie curation that we do on our own and talk about what's coming up in March at the Lost Fields 3. The theme for March is going to be movie kind of movies within movies i think the title i'm half-ass giving is march movie madness showing four movies that you know take place in movie theaters and the we're going to kick things off with kind of a 
I, it's a void movie, I think, but like it's also kind of like maybe more on the mainstream side of things that would normally show, which is matinee. How could such a thing happen, Dr. Cabal? The ant's saliva must have gotten into Bill's bloodstream and gone straight to his brain, just as the radiation, which is measured in units called Rentgens, was released. And that's how he became a... Mant. Gotcha. For the kids of Key West, Florida, there was nothing scarier than a monster matinee. Lawrence Wolsey, the master of movie horror, exterminates you with Mant. The story of Mant is based on scientific fact, on theories that have appeared in national magazines. But in the fall of 1962, a series of offensive missile sites is now in preparation on the island of Cuba. They got the biggest scare of all. Don't go to bomb us? The country is on red alert. And what a perfect time to open a new horror movie. That'd be the best show to take a girl to. The whole world's gonna blow up anyway, so we should just do whatever we want. You know, last guy she went out was in her farm school. He did teach me a lot. What about? About my body. You think if the bomb were about to fall, she'd do it with me? <laughs> Wait till you see the feelers on this thing. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, some of it's stage lighting, some of it's magic show stuff, but the big studios, none of them have anything like it. Do never ever turn one above six. This is it! From Joe Dante, director of Gremlins. You see what he's putting back? The showmanship. The bombs are falling! You think this is some kind of picnic for me? I'm still concerned about that bomb thing. Little question of taste? No, no, but your younger patrons, you could have some seat wetness. John Goodman. I love this business. Matinee. Man, I've seen this twice. Now, you've seen Matinee, right? I've never seen Matinee. I'm aware that it's like John Goodman and that Joe Dante directed it, but uh, I, I really don't know too much about it otherwise. It's a, it's a, it's a fucking great movie. It's like, you know, kind of during the cold, it's set during the Cold War and like John Goodman plays kind of like a William Castle type guy. And he's basically, you know, he's got gimmick movies, mm -hmm. like gimmick horror movies. And like he's got this new movie he's like promoting that just so happens to be being screened during the Cuban Missile Crisis where everyone thinks like we're about to go to war with Russia kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So it's like it's got that in the background. It's like it's a it's a really great movie. Like, sincerely great, nice little throwback to, like, that era. John Goodman's ter terrific in it. Cool. And because of this Joe Dante movie, you get Dick Miller in there as well. As well as Robert Picardo, who's um he's the main werewolf in The Howling. John Sayles, who wrote The Howling, Piranha, has a little cameo in it. And Kathy cool. Moriarty, who is um and Raging Bulls also in it. So, um, And for this screening, I, I should mention all these are going to be on 35mm. Uh, Joe Dante's actually coming out and doing a Q&A for Matinee, so cool. I've, I've met Joe a few times. I've never done a Q&A with him, so I'm really excited. Nice. So that's going to be week one of March Movie Madness. For week two, showing a movie that a lot of people like, and it's been requested over the years and kind of just made sense for this series. However, I'm going to put an asterisk here, because currently as we're recording this, we're still trying to figure out who's got theatrical rights. We know who put out the Blu-ray. Don't know who's got theatrical. And I'm hoping, and I think this will be worked out, so I feel okay, but I'm going to put up an asterisk of when this podcast comes out and this is not the movie playing, you know why, because we didn't clear rights. But hopefully for week two, we are showing popcorn. Popcorn. <laughs> 
before the fear of Friday the 13th. Before the evil of a nightmare on Elm Street. Before them all, there was... Now, 15 years later, he's back. Oh, yes. There's something happening here that I've been looking for all of my life. There's smoke. Someone takes her hand. She's running. The same man comes towards her. Popcorn is a really kind of interesting production. It started being, it was started as a movie directed by Alan Ormsby, who worked with Bob Clark a lot. Bob Clark, who did Black Christmas stuff. Alan and Bob worked together on Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things, as well as Death Dream, that kind of stuff. And for some reason, Alan got fired during the production. And Mark Harrier took over as director. Mark was one of the stars of the movie Porky's, directed by Bob Clark. But then there's been rumors, which have kind of been sort of confirmed, that some of it was directed by Bob Clark, although he goes uncredited on the movie. The movie stars Jill Sholin, who was in The Stepfather, Dee Wallace, who was in Joe Dante's The Howling, also is in it. Jill's actually going to come out for this screening. I had... Actually, I've never done a Q&A with Jill. Like, I've helped other people get her for Q&As, but it never worked out. So I'm really happy she's going to come out and talk about this movie because she wasn't the original actor in the role she's playing. She came in late during, like, kind of, like, whatever shit was going on behind the scenes in the movie. So really interesting perspective from her on there. And the movie was also notable because it was shot in Jamaica, and because the shot in Jamaica has a fucking killer reggae soundtrack. Which is really interesting for like a horror movie if you think about it. Like if you've never seen Popcorn, it's basically there's this killer that like wears all kinds of disguises and like is bumping off college students during like a horror movie marathon at an abandoned theater. It's a really cool movie and like a lot of people like it. I think the last time it played, at least in LA, was at the Arrow Horrorthon back in 2017. So it's been quite a few years. Moving along on week three... We're showing kind of a, I'd say, a little bit art, like art house horror. It's from director Biggest Luna. It is Anguish. Mrs. Pressman had high hopes for her son, John. John is your best boy, isn't he, Mother? Yes, John. You're my best boy and the best surgeon in town. But the world conspired against him. I told you to take these things out of my eyes. Don't get upset. I, I Take them you. out. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Don't oh, be sorry. Until John found a way to please his mother. Well, you did a good job, John. Add to his collection. All the eyes of the city will be ours. And even get into the movies. One place. You have no idea what it's like to really suffer. 
when you disobey mother? Anguish. Now, did you ever see Anguish back in the day? I have not. Actually, have you ever seen Popcorn? I didn't even ask you that either. I have not. Wow. I've only seen one of these. Oh, man. We'll get to that one. <laughs> Shocking that <laughs> for the one that you've seen. But I think you would like Anguish. It's it's a really dark and twisted movie. It's got Zelda Rubenstein, who's best known for being in Poltergeist. She plays kind of like a psychotic mom that uses like telepathy to like control her son, played by Michael Lerner, who's in like Martin Fink and Maniac Cop 2 and stuff like that to go and, like, kill people. And then it becomes a movie within a movie. It's really fucking trippy. It's really kind of, like, it's really kind of grim and grimy, too. So, like, it's it's a nasty little movie. So if you've never seen Anguish, definitely check it out. It's actually part of the Cinematech's bigger, biggest Luna retrospective. They're showing a bunch of his films. And okay. Like, what else has it, he done? I haven't really seen anything else outside of Anguish, okay. which I'm kind of stoked to be have the opportunity to see more stuff and like i do know i because i just watched perdita durango recently he was actually the original director on it and he got fired off that i feel like we talked about a lot of directors being fired off of movies but he did this one wasn't fired off this one and for the last week of this march movie madness we're showing movie that it's kind of a bucket list title that i've been wanting to screen for a while it's the one you've seen, and I know you're a huge fan of it. We're showing Peter Bogdanovich's Targets. Thank you for the bleep we're about to receive in the Lord's name. Amen. A typical American family at dinner. Mom and dad, their beautiful daughter-in-law, and their only son, Joe. A homicidal maniac. Harry! What are you doing? How's your dad? It's okay. There you go. Thanks a lot. What's your hunt this time? Gonna shoot some pigs. Targets, a movie about a war inside a man's head. Bogdanovich, the director of The Last Picture Show, takes you for a roller coaster ride through the canyons of a disturbed mind in Targets. It's, it's always a little bit of a tricky movie because of the subject matter. It basically deals with a sniper, Vietnam vet, who basically something breaks down and he just starts sniping people. And also at the same time, there's a kind of a drive-in movie thing where like a retiring horror star is giving one last hurrah, and that's played by Boris Karloff and probably his, you know, I don't want to say his best performance, but definitely like, 
in career for Karloff is definitely top tier. And it's definitely like him kind of playing off like the movies he has, you know, being Frankenstein's monster, the mummy, that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like a great little send off for him. And like, he's terrific in it, but like, it's also a pretty rough and tough and nasty little movie too. I think we talked about this. I think we talked about it when we did the drive-in episode. Yep. When we talked about like that and like drive-in massacre and a couple other things or whatever. But like I've been wanting the screen this for a couple of years. Like when I was doing the original lineup for 60 Shockers last year, before I decided to do all black and white 60s movies, Targets was on that list. Yeah, I I I could be wrong, but I think we may have even had an episode planned to talk about Targets and we replaced it. We might have. I could be wrong. I can't remember. Like I feel like I feel like I don't. I don't know. I, this uh, off topic, but yeah, I, I feel like I maybe just watched it on my own, but like I never watched it for the podcast in particular. I feel like I would remember that. Yeah, we. Um, so I don't think we actually like talked about it. Talked about it. No, we 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 basically just kind of mentioned it yeah. in passing. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. but you know, anyway. I, but either way, I I would like to talk about targets a little more in mm-hmm. depth because like it's a. It's a heavy movie, and there's, like, a lot. I mean, it's still fucking relevant, and it came out in 1968. It might be more relevant now, mm-hmm. which is the way of the world, but that's going to be the March lineup at the Lost Fields 3. However, there is another Cinematic Void show. It's going to be on March 11th down at the Aero Theater in beautiful Santa Monica. And it's going to be a little tricky to talk about this one because, well... I'm not going to tell you what I'm playing, but the mar- it's a marathon. It's called Seven Deadly Sins. Spin- er, Sins spelled C-I-N-S, you know, because Cinematic Void Sins, whatever, you know. Very punny. And basically, Cinematic Void turned seven this year. We said that earlier in the episode. So I originally really wanted to do for the five-year anniversary, I wanted to do a five-film marathon and kind of play some of the hits from the past. And didn't get a chance to do it in five-year anniversary six-year anniversary was still kind of getting her bearings you know so this year i just kind of mentioned the cinematech this is what i like to do and they're like yeah you can do it so seven films all 35 millimeter all have played cinematic void previously two of which didn't play on film when they originally played how do i talk about this without like spoiling anything because i don't want to spoil it but I'll, I'll say a couple things. There's one Italian language print in there. There's two movies that are scope. There's, I don't know, it's a good variety. It's not all horror. It's not all one genre. It's kind of all over the place. It's kind of, you know, it's quintessential cinematic void. And I'd say, I think everything. How, every, many, how many sex comedies we got? One. How many? No, that's cool. Got one. Right on. I mean, you, yeah, there's there's one sex comedy. There's one Italian language print. There is, I think, two. So well, two, two on scope, but that's not either of the those two. No. Okay. So that's different. Um, you know, it. I kind of want to do a contest to see how close someone can come to try to figure <laughs> out this lineup. Yeah. Like you know, at least the, there's some clues. Like. Yeah. You know. Well, but, plus it's it's things you've already screened. So yeah. There's there's a limited choice. Well, there's 300 different movies they could choose from. But yeah. I to be fair, it's everything was within the first five years. And there's a couple from, 
I wasn't being conscious. I was like, there's a couple things that went into this, and we can talk about this because, again, this is curation. It's like, how do you summarize seven years? And because you still have to have a budget because, like, you can't fly in a bunch of or ship in a bunch of prints for this because it gets way too expensive. So you have to use a mix of like studio, local pickups, which you'll be picking up. Actually, you might be helping project this. Yep. Good chance. Um, you know, so I, I wanted to do a good mix of like basically everything. Actually, I'll give you one clue. There are no Giallo films in this. And the reason being is because we just wrapped January Giallo. Yep. I just kind of felt like, eh, let that one give give that genre a little bit of a breather. But there is an Italian language print in there. What is it? Gonna have to show up and find out. So that's what's happened with Cinematic Void in March. We're going to take another quick break here. I feel like we talked less about the actual lineup of things we're actually doing and talked more about just dumb shit this episode. Hell yeah. Well, that's fine. We, But that wraps up what we're, what's coming up in the Void in March. We're going to take one last commercial break, but when we return, it's going to be read, watch, and listen here on the Cinematic Void Podcast. <laughs> Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back. It's now time for... On the Cinematic Void Podcast, where we talk about all the things we've been reading, watching, and or listening to since the last time we recorded a podcast. Nick, why don't you tell us what you've been reading, watching, and or listening to? Uh, all right. I've been listening to that new Narrowhead record that came out uh, maybe a Friday or two ago called Moments of Clarity. And uh, it's grungy, uh, you know, grungy emo, whatever, like that that sound. We've, we've been talking about it. Um, but yeah, that's been been waiting for that thing to drop now for a while. They've had like, a couple songs out and I think it's really sick. I actually come to think of it. I don't I don't actually know anything about Narrowhead. Um, they've been around for a while and have a, a couple of records at this point. But, uh, yeah, I don't know anything about them. Other than they like Grandma's Boy. They, yeah, I guess, like I said, they're playing at Brain Dead and, and screening Grandma's Boy. That's really cool. But, yeah, I don't know where they're fucking from or anything like that. But, yeah, so that record's rad. I've been listening to the Inclination uh, LP that came out last year called Unaltered Perspective. It's just some uh, some straight-edge hardcore. And then I've also been uh, listening to the Weapon demo um, that I've probably talked about here before, but it's just like a five song EP of fast, heavy, straight edge hardcore. That's just like, man, it's just a fucking earworm, dude. I just listen to it over and over. Um, and the incendiary LP from, I think 2017 called thousand mile stare. That is just such a fucking banger. Just the riffs are so memorable. It's just so heavy. It's so sick. It's so catchy. Um, yeah. So that's what I've been listening to. Uh, I haven't been reading much lately. Um, yeah, I got this book called Extreme Music recently that I think is really sick. That's like, uh, a lot about like packaging and like weird, like cassette packaging and just like records made out of sandpaper and just like all types of weird, you know, just like 
weird shit. Um, but to say I've been like reading, I've been flipping through books such as this. Um, and uh, for watch, I've still been on my fucking David Mamet shit. Um, I'm going to be talking about state and Maine pretty soon and uh, and homicide on the bitching about movies podcast with old Frank. It's just sitting right here while we've been podcasting this entire time. Um, so uh, I just watched both of those. Um, and uh, I just watched The Lives of Others, which is a film from 2006. Um, and it's really great. Uh, recommended to me by Nikolai from the Criterion podcast that I do that I can't remember the name right now. Spy Numbers. Have you actually put out an episode? Nope. No. Okay. Nope. How many episodes do you have recorded? Like that? 30. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just going to fucking mass drop them at just, some point. Just drop, dude. Um, and I just rewatched uh, White Dog, the Sam Fuller film about a racist dog, which is a really great, great film. Um, yeah, that's about it for me, man. How about you? Well, let's start with read. I still have not been reading shit. Like, I just haven't had it. I just moved, and, like, the only books I have are my film books, and it's like I'm not really actively rereading them. So, I don't know. I, I, should, I should get back into reading, but who knows when that's going to be. Might as well just call this watch and listen at this point. Just redo the song. <laughs> I mean, you're the only one that's been actively reading the last few podcasts, so I dabble. You dabble. You dabble in the reading. Uh, watch uh, today as we're recording this. We're recording this on Valentine's Day. I watched the Night Porter. That's my sexy Valentine's pick. I don't know if that's really horny. Yeah, it's a little bit of horny movie. I I think I watched it for all those like sexless Puritans that are like, it's just so. Watch a fucking like art house like erotic I don't know not thrillers is erotic drama I guess that's also very depressing I hadn't watched it in probably like fuck probably mid to late 2000s last time I watched Night Porter and I was like I think it still holds up it's definitely a slow burner more so than I remember but yeah. like you know for for a lonely Valentine's Day I guess it'll, it'll do. Also, because I watched Tightrope the other night, it and I kind of want to re revisit or stay in that the sleazy era of Clint Eastwood. I watched the one Dirty Harry movie he did direct, which is Sudden Impact, with his one-time partner Sandra Locke and the star. It's a basically a rape revenge movie that also is a Dirty Harry movie at the same time. One thing I noticed, I already mentioned this earlier when I was watching Tightrope, is like they both start exactly the same. They start with a fucking wide helicopter shop that like moves in and then like the credits hit. And it kind of confirms my theory that Clint directed Tightrope because like very similar. Although he gives two completely different performances in between, you know, Dirty Harry and his char- character block in Tightrope. Uh, also watch Freeway, which I've never seen. I got it. It was part of one of those Vinegar Syndrome, like, orders or whatever. And I actually really enjoyed it. You ever you ever see Freeway? Is that the Kiefer Ke- Ke- Sutherland? Yeah, Ke- Kiefer Sutherland. Ke- what can I say his name? Kiefer. Kiefer. Ke- Ke- yeah, Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> and, and um, fuck, what's her name now? Reese Witherspoon. Thank you. Yeah. And, like, it's like a variation of, like, little 
Little Red Riding Hood and all that. Okay, yeah, I remember liking it in like fucking the nineties or whatever. It it is very nineties. Yeah, but like it's pretty nasty. Like it's definitely like in that vein of like you know when Natural Born Killers and like mm-hmm. True Romance and all that stuff and like definitely kind of little bit in like that the world that was coming out of like you know the Tarantino revolution at that time. It was actually written or not written. It was directed by a former Oingo Boingo member. Hmm. I forget his name. I think it's Matthew Bright is his name. Okay. And like, you know, Danny Elfman did the score to the movie and all that. It's, it's a pretty wild and nasty movie. Like much more. I just missed it when it came out. So apparently this is like the uncut, like fully uncut version. So it has all the nasty gore in it. And, because we just passed the Super Bowl, I have a tradition. I watched Two Minute Warning, which would pair very well with um, Targets because it's another sniper movie. Except this one's at a football game that's supposed to be the Super Bowl. Damn, I uh, I have to add that to my uh, mass shooter movie list on Letterboxd. Check out my mass shooter list on Letterboxd, everyone. Oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> Well, yeah, you should add it to it. I don't know how I missed that one. I'm 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 embarrassed. Well, I mean, it it's a weird mo- it well, it's weird for a couple of reasons because like movie stars Charlton Heston, Mr. NRA, when like he was actually pretty liberal and not very pro gun. John Cassavetes is in it, who plays like a SWAT team member and he's like wearing like everyone all the cops are wearing like these crazy fucking aviator sunglasses. So basically, yeah, the sniper decides to go to well, the NFL wouldn't sign off to it. They actually asked the NFL if they could use their teams and stuff. And they're like, what's the movie about? Sniper at a football <laughs> game. They're like, nope. But they were okay with terrorists for Black Sunday, which came out a year later. But I guess maybe John Frankenheimer and Robert Shaw had more clout than Chuck Heston and John Cassavetes. But, like, it is... It's like kind of in the same vein of like the well, it's considered one of the universal disaster movies like Earthquake or stuff, but it's closer to Roller Coaster. Except like, not to spoil it, but like it goes it goes off the hinges in a way that like I still can't believe like that's where the movie went. Yeah, it gets fucking wild, and it's like there's no way in fuck this movie would ever be made ever again. So much so that a few years later when it went to go play NBC TV, NBC's like, yeah, we can't have this be the movie. Mm-hmm. So they shot a bunch of different footage. They added a art heist subplot to it that the reason why the snipers at the football game is a distraction for art heist. Like, completely changed the movie. Charlton Heston shot new scenes. They shot, brought in a bunch of different actors. They completely changed the plot of the movie for the TV version. One of the most absurd fucking changes, but the theatrical version is like it's I love it just because of how just fucked up it is. Cool. Like I would one of these years I'm gonna someone's gonna let me show this on the Super Bowl Sunday. Hell yes. And that will end my programming career. But I don't know. It there's a good Blu ray of it on Shout Factory put it out. They put it out at the same time they did roller coaster, so it's like I don't know. I, I you would dig this movie. In fact, if you want to rewatch it at some point, I'll bring it over and watch it because I it's one of those movies like I can just throw on because it's a cover film. I feel you. It it, it weirdly is. But it, there's something about like that '70s era of like just shoving as many like actors into a movie like Poseidon Adventure, you know, Earthquake, things like that. It's just there's something about like so many familiar faces where like 
like Jack Klugman's in this fucking movie, and like Gina Rollins is in it. Well, because John Cassavetes is mm-hmm. in it, but they don't have scenes together, which is kind of crazy. And like, oh, there's like Walter Pigeon from like the silent eras, and he's like a pickpocket in it. And like, I think Bo Bridges, one of the Bridges, is in it. It's just like this stacked weird cast in this movie that's like, oh, and this only will matter to us, but like the football teams are Baltimore and Los Angeles mm-hmm. in the big game that is in the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. And it's like definitely a lot of little cross plots going back and forth in there. And um, Andy Sedaris, who was like the head of, um, I forget, like, yeah, ABC Sports, who went on to direct like bunch of sexploitation action movies later on, like Hard Ticket to Hawaii and like Malibu Express and stuff. Like he has a cameo in it as the actual television director of the football game. Okay. So really love two minute warning. For listen, I too have been listening to that new Narrowhead, I guess, Moments of Clarity, which I guess maybe it came out last week. I don't know when it I is one of those things where because he kept adding songs that would mm-hmm. just move up my like the I Apple Music queue or whatever, and then I just noticed it was at the top. It's like, oh, I guess it came out. Maybe it's probably last Friday. Still kind of getting into it. It's definitely you know heavy grunge, yeah, pop. Sometimes there's some Deftony stuff in it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that stuff. Also been listening to that Basement record, um, Color Me and Kindness that you hit me to, and it's just like that record's so fucking good. It really is. Um, listen to that a lot. Also still been listening to that Fleshwater record, their debut. Cool. Like, I saw they've been touring. Like, they they were playing, like, Baltimore and, like, Midwest, no West Coast dates. I was like, do I fly out to Baltimore and go see them? <laughs> they're playing with this band Candy, which I guess is on Relapse or something like that. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah, so I was like, eh, maybe, yeah. Nah. I'd, maybe if it coincided with a January Giallo screening, I would have snuck mm-hmm. it in there. But, unfortunately, yeah. it did, but... Hopefully they'll play the West Coast, so I don't have to. I'm sure they'll be here soon enough. Soon enough. Uh, the other thing I listened to, which is a record that had I actually listened to it last year, it probably been my number one record of the year, which is that Danger Mouse Black Thought record, Cheat Codes. Yeah. Holy. Black, Black Thoughts. Like, maybe one of the greatest rappers of all time, if he, I had to pick. Yeah, he definitely, like, I don't want to get in his top five. Top, like, he's in the conversation for number one. Just flat out. Fuck yeah. Wow. Okay. Like, like seriously, like, he doesn't do bad verses. Yeah. It's like guest spots. Like, like, I don't love every Black Thought song, you know what I mean? But that's maybe due to, like, the, the production or something. Yeah. But, like, his, but you're right, his verses, it's they're crazy. Like, no one else is, like, hitting, like, just r- the references, the, like, the, you know, rhymes, like, fucking, it, it just, it, it's fucking incredible. But, like, this record, like, you know. I wouldn't say I'm a big Danger Mouse man, fan or whatever, mm-hmm. but, like, goddamn, the beats are fucking crazy on this record. Hell, yeah. Okay. Has good guests. Like, um, there's a song with, I guess, Rust in Peace, MF Doom. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just a, if he recorded it before he passed or if it's just, like, a verse. Like, I kind of feel like it's going to be at this point that, like, there's going to be a ton of MF Doom verses floating out there. They're just going to, like, he's got, like, there's this, probably a stockpile, and they'll just, like, slip out, like, Tupac verses or something like that. There's a song he does with ASAP Rocky and Run the Jewels that's like fucking crazy. Hell yeah. Like, and there's a song he does with Conway the Machine from Griselda too. When like, just you know, all the guest spots are good, all the beats are good. There's it's like a no skip record. Cool man. I uh, you know what? I actually didn't didn't spend too much time with this one when it came out. So I I, you've convinced me to go back to it. 
like i i just i don't know i was like looking at records and it like just hip-hop stuff and it's so, like this came out and i was like you know i don't know why i didn't give this a chance like i like blackfall and i don't again not the biggest danger mouse fan but like it's not, there's i'm not offended by it or whatever and i'm putting it on it's just like fuck i fucked up i literally probably skipped over like probably really a record of the year contender but that wraps up this episode of the cinematic void podcast i think we're gonna finally do it i think we're gonna have the time we're gonna do an episode we've talked about or hinted at probably since last year which is freddy's knockoffs we're gonna talk about some freddy krueger nightmare on elm street ripoffs really excited to do so freddy got fingered yes we'll we'll fit in freddy got fingered somehow (laughs) I guess that could, I guess it's a nightmare for some people. Maybe Rip Torn, I don't know. But till next time, see you in the void. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. C.T. Cobb and the following messages. Cobb Theatres welcomes your suggestions. Our primary concern is your comfort and enjoyment. Thanks for not smoking. It's the law. There's still time to visit our snack bar for popcorn, snacks, ice-cold Coca-Cola, and Diet Coke. Try the Cobster, Jumbo Popcorn, and 64-ounce Coke. Please deposit litter in trash receptacles as you exit the auditorium. The perfect gift for any occasion. Gift certificates are available at the box office. Please don't talk during the movie. Thanks for visiting with us. Buckle up and drive safely. See you next week. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show.